Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 447. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I'm running the ship, aren't I, sweetie? Kind of. Um, Speaking of, that's weird. I was just drawing a ship. There you go. And I have something to say about a ship. Serendipitous. Ooh, I like it. Um, I am going to play a brief, I don't know, like 45-second clip of a show that I have been watching called This Is Us, which is a very popular show. I think Uh, you're the only one watching it. I know. Not. Um, And then I'm also going to play a clip of an interview. Oprah interviewed this guy named Richard Rohr, who is a man that I have kind of like a man crush... On. How about more like a father thing, don't a, you think? A father you really crush like on have a crush on him. He's just I just want to give you love him. I just want to give him a hug. I, you just love him, yes. He's a seventy-year-old Franciscan priest. I don't even know what that means. Is he like a regular priest that can't get married? Well, you know what? If I understand correctly, he ended up following a very typical Christian tradition. He was raised Catholic, but then he really found connection with Thomas Merton, uh-huh. and Thomas Merton was a Franciscan. Got it. So he doesn't have any kids or because uh-uh. people. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, he's he's written seventy books, by the way. I know. That's a lot of books. That's books. I'm lucky if I read 70 pages. I know. I'm writing a book right now, and I basically told Todd this is going to be about a year. Yeah. And that's, and I mean it. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that to be negative. I'm actually doing pretty good with my writing. But to write 70 books, but see, that's the thing is that's his work. That's his job, right? Um, I'm sure he's got a lot of jobs, but writing would probably be the dominant it's driving his, force. It's his um, output from his daily experience. Yeah. Like, I think he has a lot to share. He has a center. I would love to maybe go st- Me too. study, um, go to a retreat on his place. So it's in New Mexico. I know. It's not too far from you and where you and I went. We should have gone. I know. And it's called the Center for Activation, Activism and Contemplation. It's awesome. That's a great Let's just go live there. Phrase. Let's go live in New Mexico. Um, so um, I don't know. Should I just jump into it? Yeah, do the This Is Us thing first because it's just been such a, we've talked All about right. it so much. So here's the deal. There's a show called This Is Us, and I'm not going to explain how the show works. I'm going to play a clip from it, and it's where a woman named Kate is singing her first gig yep. in front of an audience. And her mom showed up, um, who's played by Mandy Moore. Mm-hmm. And I think Mandy's probably supposed to be like 45 or 50. I don't know how old she's supposed to be. So old. Yeah, those old people that are <laughs> 45 and 50. And um, and then there's her, uh, Kate, the singer, the younger girl. Her boyfriend, Toby, is in, in the back. But this is a conversation between uh, Kate and her mom. Okay. Because uh, the mom came to the gig and it kind of like threw Kate off a little bit. She felt like she was being judged. Right. She didn't know mom was coming. Right. Exactly. So here we go. This is us. I love you. And I'm sorry. But now this, this is going to be the memory of my very first real gig. This. Sorry, I'm going to be in the car. So she walks away and up comes Toby. So Toby's talking to... Kate's boyfriend. Uh, Toby's Kate's boyfriend. And he Toby's coming over to talk to uh, Mandy Moore, who's the mom. Okay. And, I, 
am I crazy or am I doing what she says I'm doing and making her feel? Okay, okay, but between you and me, I think that she is super sensitive around you and obviously I don't know the whole history, but as much as I want you to like me, you need to know that I am Team Kate for life. Like, that's the deal here. So I can't have you putting me in a position where I bring you to a show that she doesn't want you at, and you can't ask me to side with you, okay? Because Team Kate, forever. That's how this works. Got it, okay. Okay, uh, shall we commence the awkward car ride home? And there they go. <laughs> That's great. So I was blown away by that scene. There's many scenes in this show. And by the way, before we get into this, I think This Is Us has surpassed uh, my love. It, it has leapfrogged over Parenthood as one of my favorite shows. Wow. A lot of similarities. And I love the show Parenthood. Yeah. But This Is Us has some different elements. But anyways, and we can talk about that later. And there's... Uh, so anyways, the reason I like that is two reasons. And this goes back... And we talked to, to I think, Ellen and Jason about this, about... One night I had a tribe men's group meeting and I invited you to come in and speak mm -hmm. and you shared your wisdom on how guys can better connect with their wives. I mean, basically, and what I got out of that night, as I shared with you many times is all, not all, but the, the a huge component, a huge component of what wives want from their husbands or girls want from their boyfriends or whatever, or partners, or want partners. Partner. Thank you is you want me, Todd, to have your back. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he described in this scene. It would have been easy for Toby to, in this scene, to accommodate and be, um, agree with the kind of the... Um, the sensitivity. The sensitivity, the response. And he didn't. He basically, he just saved himself years or decades of issues of possible grudge holding, grudge of holding not being seen problems between Toby and his future mother-in-law or Toby and his girlfriend and he set these clear firm boundaries in a loving way absolutely and that's the thing is he didn't deny right. that it's possibly not entirely fair to the mom right like he's like I don't know the history and yes she is sensitive but this I'm not going to play this game of me helping you to help her yeah. because I'm with her. Well, and it's like, this is what, this is the point I want to get across. So I'm basically talking to the guys out there that are married. Even if let's say Kate was wrong in her response to her mom, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if she's wrong. He's on team Kate. Right. So even when she's wrong, he's going to side with her. And here's the the piece where if people say, but what if they're so wrong? Yeah. What if they're hurting people? Or what if they're... What this is saying is that that's something you resolve with that person, yeah. not with outside person, mm -hmm. with outside people. What I mean is, let's say Kate had, like I'm making something up, hit her mom in that yeah. moment. Completely inappropriate. Sure. But you're not going to be like, now I side with mom and let's all gang up against Kate. Mm -hmm. You, as someone who loves Kate, would go to her and say, we, you and I, yeah. need to talk this through and I can speak truth to you. Yeah. But I have your back when it comes to everyone else, when it comes to the world. This is between you and I, and I'm not going to bring in your mom, and I'm not going to bring in our kids, and I'm not going to bring... This is between you and I. Yeah. So for those of you who heard Todd say that and say, but... She's spending all my money or she's being disrespectful to me. Well, 
that's between you and her. You figure that when you figure her. that out when you get home. Exactly. But to the outside world, Correct. who are you going to be in that moment? Because there's exactly. a lot of forget about guys, husbands, wives, partners. They'll be like, "Well, I just speak the truth, right. and, and my truth is you're wrong." Your first um, task priority in a relationship, a lifelong, hopefully, relationship, is to have your partners back. Correct. At the expense of right, truth, whatever. It's to have their, and I'm the reason I got so much out of the scene is this is something that I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty good at it, but I'm not close to perfect. Well, and we let's go back even further. We started from a very like um a place that a, a lower place, which was first of all, um I will say that this was like twenty two years ago. Mm-hmm. But our original place was that because Todd grew up in kind of a, a funny family, and <laughs> a funny family. Well, and I don't mean they're funny to they're funny Strange. disrespectful. I mean you guys are kind of smart Alex to each oh, other. Oh, got it, got it. Right? I didn't know what you meant by funny. Yeah, I thought you just meant like no. Still, sometimes you guys. I thought are, you meant baggage. You use humor. Yeah. Okay, that's what I meant. I didn't mean like ha ha laugh at you guys. I meant like you guys use humor, which yeah. my family would do too, but. But there is this, the way that sometimes tension is dispelled right. is through humor, right? You know, little Chandler Bing-esque, yeah. right? Chandler Bong. Chandler Bong. So, Miss. Ms. Chandler Bong. Um, so, so, when I first started coming around his family, and sometimes his mother or, uh, you know, someone would say something to me kind of like, cat, that's ridiculous, or that's stupid, or whatever, kind of humorous humor-ish because right. I'm new, Todd would kind of be like, yeah, that's so dumb. Right. Or yeah, Kathy does that all the time. Isn't that dumb? And I would be like, I'd come home, I'd be like, um, what's the deal with making me the butt of the joke? Right. And you were so used to that kind, because it would get thrown at you sometimes, it would get thrown at other people. I wasn't the only butt of the joke. Right. But I had to kind of start with, you know, that that's not a feel good thing. I would do <laughs> that. that. I would do that. I, I would totally do that. I'm mm-hmm. totally owning it. And I, I'm i trying to think of my motivation of why I did that. Well, was it to, was it to, you know, like I would make fun of whatever, the way you eat tacos. Like I'm just making stuff up. Right. But I would like have fun at your expense. At my expense. That's a good way. And in, in, in an effort to, I don't know, maybe connect with the other people that are there. Well, A, to release some tension. Remember, kind of like Hannah Gadsby. Remember, yeah. when there's a joke, you got to like let out the balloon. Right. Number two, I'm coming new to your family. We still had to do the whole, this is forever ago, where we had to still disconnect from biological family to create our own family. Sure. And you were still struggling with that a lot because yeah. you felt a lot of like, I'm so needed in my biological family. How could I ever create another one? Right. Um, and, and then you also want to make your mom feel comfortable with making fun of me. Because that's kind of her way of loving sometimes. And and when I say that, I don't mean she made fun of people all the time. That was just her way of connecting with me. Well, sometimes. and I think what happens is even though I was 22 at the time, right. when we're dealing well, with... 20, 27, you know, 27, whatever, yeah. just whatever. When I was in my 20s, I, as I've said, is we regress back into our child. Correct. I, I, so like, I don't want my mom to get mad at me. So even though I'm a 27-year-old man who's going to marry this woman, I will put... Uh, I will... I don't want to get in trouble by my, I'll go back to when I was seven years old. And I don't know, like with you, I'm a 27 year old man, but with my mom, even though I'm 27, I feel like I'm seven. So I will throw you under the bus 
just so I don't get in trouble for my mom. And maybe by that point, you know that that my love is the, your mom's love is unconditional too, but my love is unconditional enough that you can kind of make your mom happy and then make peace with me later. Yeah. So you can kind of use me. That's exactly it. Exactly. And the thing is, is that I think all relationships, you know, use whatever you want, but they're gradual progressions because that was the beginning. And when I said, you know, that kind of hurts, let's not do that. Initially you were like, it's just funny. It's just humor. And I was like, but yeah, it hurts. don't be so sensitive. Don't be so sensitive about me making fun of you. Um, and then that stopped. Mm -hmm. And then it what? then you were more silent. Mm -hmm. So you didn't play, but you just kind of didn't do anything. Yeah, I got quiet and instead th of deliberately having your back. Right. And, and when people hear that, that doesn't mean then Todd stands up and says, we're leaving. Mm -hmm. he, it doesn't have to be so abrupt and cruel. I think, again, everybody goes from either... I'm either completely quiet and on the other side, or I'm way over on the other side. There's all this in between. What Toby just did, let's mm. go back to Toby, was he said, I see your point, Mom, mm. Mandy Moore. What's her name on the show? I don't know. I don't remember people's names. Okay. I remember your, I, I see your point, yet I'm I'm here. The, who I am now in this, in this, this whole thing of family is I am Kate's partner, therefore, Team Kate forever. So not I don't see your point or not I don't love you or care about you, but let's not do this at her expense. Yeah. Well, and if I would have gotten that lesson when I was 27, I would have saved us <laughs> a lot of challenges. I mean, we made through we we went we got through them. Yeah. We're stronger because of them. Correct. Yes. So I mean it was all purposeful. Yeah. But, you know, like we had Jason and Ellen on a few weeks ago. Like nobody teaches you this stuff in school. I know. We learn about U.S. history. We learn about science. We learn about math. We learn about writing papers and English and Shakespeare. Nobody says when you decide to have a life partner, have their back. Right. Regardless if it's a stranger on the street, a boss, or even a mom or a dad. Right. Even birth family. Like my uh, priorities are this family I'm creating with you. Mm -hmm. And it's not with my birth family. Now, hopefully you you can be lovable to everybody all the time, but there's going to be moments where you got to make a decision. Right. We are big enough mm -hmm. to have all that love. Right. Meaning it's not like we're like, oh, I've got this teeny part of love and I'm just going to switch it to my partner. Sorry, mom. Yeah. We don't move the love. We don't say, I love this person and I don't love you anymore. We expand. We become bigger. Mm -hmm. But within the bigness, we recognize what our role, our new role, we are no longer a seven-year-old son trying to please our mom. We are now an adult male bringing someone or an adult woman bringing home someone we love. And in that scenario, we can be big enough to love our mom from an adult in an adult way and also say, I have my partner's back. It's not one or the other. Yeah. And and for those of you who like, but in my family it is, meaning that I have to choose, that's a problem. That's something that needs to be dealt with. Not only is it a problem, and this is gonna come out wrong, so let me just say that. I'm living with you. <laughs> I am I we co-parent together. Like if I had to choose, and it's not about choices, but yeah, I'm going to choose you. Well, as it's supposed to be. Right. Like, here's the thing, you guys. This is not about me and Kathy getting this. This is about the bigger picture of my own children. I They did not come from me. They came through me into the world. My job as a parent is to help them become who they are and to let them go. Mm -hmm. 
And when I let them go, I believe that our love, the, the, the love I have with my daughters expands. I'm experiencing that now having teenagers. The more I let them go, the closer I feel to them. Yeah. But I don't want to be their life partner. <laughs> yeah. I am their mother, and my job is to help them go find their life, if that be through marriage or travel or the, a career they love or you know some kind of philanthropy they love. It's to allow them to do that without me getting in the way of it. So... That's the begin. So why that's important to say is that when we're given a choice of you either love me or your partner, of course I love you, but I'm not supposed to love you in this like you're my person mm-hmm. way anymore. Right. You're my mother or my father or my uncle or my sibling, and this is my life partner. And the way that we love each other is supporting each other in understanding that. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like if I can go back in time and come up with one of these examples where I would like make fun of you or uh-huh. throw you under the bus and I can do it over again, I would obviously do it much differently. And if I just overtly said, no, I, you know, I'm, I, I showed you that I had your back. And if my mom or my dad would have challenged me with that, I think I would say something like, you didn't raise me. To, to be please you at the expense of my partner. Like you raised me to love my partner and, and, and then you and I, mom, or you and I, dad, are going to have to refigure out this part of our relationship. Right. We're going to grow. We're going to grow. Because since I've grown, now our relationship has to grow yeah. even bigger and deeper and more compassionate because now I can relate to you in this way, now that I understand love, yeah. I know what your love was yeah. either before, because they divorced, so they didn't stay together, but your mom remarried. Yeah. Like now I understand what partnership is because you taught me that and you don't even have to say, all you have to say is, mom, you raised me to respect my partner and I'm going to do that. Drop the mic right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I think that would make a lot of sense. But everybody, regardless if it's a mother or a father or whoever, we all have egos, right? Mm-hmm. And we all feel change is scary and we all feel loss. We all feel like, but if this changes, then I won't feel the love or Todd won't solve my problems or Todd won't swoop in and help me because he's going to be busy. And the truth is, is some of that will change because he will have a family, but he will always love you. There will always be space and room and, and, and there always was, Right. you know what I mean? Like nothing changed really. Yeah. You and your mom actually became a million times closer right. um, because I think your compassion deepened with marriage and with mm. children. Do you see what I mean? Oh yeah. Like we have to like sometimes step back and instead of trying to, I get this and again, you know, I'm always seeing it visually. I have a hard time expressing it, but Sometimes we try and create something with only the tools that we have in front of us. And we forget that as, you know, we're like, well, my mom needs this right now. Or when I was a kid, she needed this. So I'm going to keep doing this. Instead of taking a wider view and saying, okay, this whole paradigm doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So I got to step back and have a new conversation and recognize that the relationship with my mom is going to be a different one, but not a worse one. Yeah. It's just going to change. It's going to change. Well, and I feel like when we do find ourselves going back into child and that makes sense to you and I, because yes. we say that all the time. Can you explain what that sure. means to listeners of when you go back into child? So, you know, as Todd and I talk about on the show all the time, every age you've ever been lives in you. So your six-year-old, your seven-year-old, your 10-year-old, your 21-year-old, they all still live in you. It's not like they really went away because you were those people, right? Mm-hmm. Now your cells have changed and you're an adult, but the feelings you had and the experiences still live in you. 
there are certain ages that for whatever reason were either really fantastic and you remember them really deeply and they, they kind of set the tone for your life, like the year you had a great teacher mm-hmm. or the year that you fell in love or whatever, or the year you started college. But then there's also years that were somewhat traumatic mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Sometimes we don't have the full story, but we know that eight years old was hard. Well, or And to your point, the memories, the reason like everybody knows where they were for 9-11. Why right. is that? It's because there's emotion attached to that Correct. moment. It could be positive emotion, which is a birthday party when you're 10 years right. old, or negative emotion watching what happened on 9-11. So it anyways. literally gets lodged in your body. Right. Like it's like the reason that, like Todd said, the reason we remember 9-11, the reason our parents always talk about when Kennedy got shot or when Elvis died, mm-hmm. or is it was like a shock to the system. Or I can say after the election- You felt something. I felt something so intensely that it got lodged in my body. Okay. And I'm using the word lodged because even though I feel like we can somewhat process it or, or, or forgive it or heal it, it's still, Still if there's a scar, there's scar tissue. So a lot of times when we have an experience that is similar or kind of feels the same way, even if the, the actual uh, issue or the people are different. It feels similar mm. to like when we were seven or eight, or we feel like we're losing something or we're being re-traumatized. That child comes back up right. with all of its childhood defensiveness, with yeah. all of its fear. As your sister said to me, which I love, your sister has been in recovery for what, 17 years, mm-hmm. 18 years? Mm-hmm. And she has this great AA uh, lingo. Mm-hmm. You know, she has great, like, good, you know, one liners. And one of them she said to me was, um, um, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm. Okay. Beautiful, right? Yeah. Basically, what that means is if you are hysterical about something that kind of isn't a huge deal, you know that a part of you, an old part that's been traumatized, is like freaking out yeah. for good reason because the eight year old didn't have the adult tools. So the eight-year-old is still thinking in an eight-year-old way, which is, I'll never get out of this. No one will help me. No one will understand me. And those feelings are being re-triggered. And so there is, I mean, I want to acknowledge that we can, I think a lot of the work that we do on this show and that you and I have done individually and that I, I try to do with women is go back to that place and and, and again, I don't specialize in inner child work necessarily, but like, what was that? And even if you don't know the story, even if some, sometimes we can't remember, right. we'll just go, eight was hard. Yeah. And I don't remember the story. I just remember the feeling because it could have been something energetically we felt yep. like something in the home that we didn't really know what was yeah, going on. It could be on. deliberate or it could be covert. It, right. Yeah. And so we're kind of like, but let's go back and like talk to that child and love that child and hold that child and put up a picture of that child and say to that child, now I'm here for you. Well, what I was going to say is, um, cause the reason I wanted you to explain that is that, so, um, we can like, you know, use this story or this, this discussion to help our listeners because we all regress into child at all one point the time. or another. Or we regress to 21 or right. 23. Right? And the key is for me, at least to be able to separate it out to one is to have an awareness that, Oh, I'm, I feel eight years old right now. So the minute that you have, the awareness like, oh, you're going back to when you're eight years old, when your parents started fighting and all of a sudden you're worried that your parents are going to be displeased, whatever. The fact that you separate these things is powerful because then what you can do, and I sometimes do this with the guys that I coach, is you are now a 45-year-old man or however old you are. You tell that eight-year-old boy, I love you. You keep having your feelings. I'm going to take care of you. I got this. I got this. I got this. Because 
This is all about self-awareness because if you don't have that self-awareness, the 45-year-old goes somewhere else in your brain for a little bit. The eight-year-old shows up. Takes over. So the fact that we can have this discussion and maybe these awarenesses like, oh, this is my eight-year-old person. And then to your point, put a picture of that person up. If there's a certain year that's particularly emotionally driven for you. Mm -hmm. And when that eight-year-old boy or girl or 13-year-old boy or girl shows up, look at that picture, like literally have a picture of it and say, I'm going to take care of you. Yep. You know? And why what Todd is saying is so valuable. It's not, I'm not going to listen to you. See, that's not good. Yep. Because that's basically saying I'm shoving you back down in a hole, which what what happens when you shove someone back in a hole? Yeah. They yell louder. Yep. They claw more. You say, I see you. I hear you. I got you. Mm-hmm. That's And that's kind of like Elizabeth Gilbert, thing, Elizabeth Gilbert when she talks about that fear belongs mm-hmm. and that you don't let fear drive your car. You don't let fear, you know, put on the song on the radio, you don't let them control the temperature, but fear does get to ride in the car. Mm-hmm. And that eight-year-old in us is a part of our fear. It's yeah. manifested into a a feeling of unworthiness or or I need to do this. And what I just heard... Um, uh, the, real quick, yeah. uh, Liz Gilbert, but doesn't she say fear gets to ride in the car, but it's not sitting shotgun anymore? Well, like I said, it doesn't get to drive. Yeah. It doesn't get to handle the it's radio. It's in the back seat. It, it sits in the back seat, but it belongs. In the car. Exactly. It does get to go... Because you know what else it does sometimes? You know what our eight-year-old does sometimes and what our fear does sometimes? Protects you? Yes. Sometimes Serves it you? says, red flag, when I was eight... I was hurt by someone like this and I'm feeling the same feeling and I'm not going to go toward it. Or red flag, the light is blinking red. I am not going to walk into the street. You belong. You, the fear can help, but not when it becomes in control of everything because then it sees everything as a red flag. And again, uh, to Todd's point, so much self-awareness. Like uh, some people may go like, oh my God, this makes my head hurt. I know, which is why we always talk about self-awareness being the only thing because how do you do any of Mm. this? How do you become patient for your partner unless you understand what's going on inside of you? If you don't know what's going on inside of you, you're just being patient because someone told you to be. That's not going to last very long. You have to have some inner awareness, but... First of all, Todd, I wanted to tell you something good. Um, So one of the podcasts that we listen to is Oprah's uh, Super Soul Sessions, basically her Super Soul Sundays that she's done are now podcasts. So we used to watch them on TV, now they're podcasts, right? Her masterclass has become a podcast. Oh, nice. I know. So she hasn't started it yet, but she's promoting it right now. So not only am I telling Todd this, but for those of you, you can already subscribe to it so you can get it. Is it going to be in the same? Yeah. No, it's a different one. It's It's called Oprah's Masterclass Podcast. Gotcha. So you got to go find another Oprah podcast. Right. Yeah. But it'll, I think it's like, she's, it's pretty popular already and it hasn't even begun. Right. So just do a search for Oprah and you'll be able to find it. But today she, on her Super Soul podcast, she has on Gary Zukov. It's a very old Super Soul Sunday that I've probably seen 80 times. Um, But it is always so valuable to me. And this is why, because this is relating to what you just said about fear or about that eight-year-old child, because these really are all the same things. There are parts of ourselves that are jealous or ego-driven or afraid or unworthy or we don't belong. They're personality pieces, but a lot of them were created or heightened by our experiences from childhood, right? Or from when we were young and we didn't have the tools. All of those feelings that I just said to you, you can throw them all in the same basket called fear. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they hurt. You know it's a fear if it hurts, Right. okay? Here's the most important thing to understand 
If you can throw that into the basket of fear, you can know right away that if you act on any of those, you're going to have negative consequences. Yep. If you act from fear, the consequence is not going to be great. It could hurt your relationship. It could hurt you. It could hurt other people. And at the same time that all of those feelings are inside of you, there's all sorts of other feelings going on. Gratitude, your adult self, your sense of knowing you belong. Who are you going to pay attention to? And that's the thing. And all of those good feelings, throw in those are in the basket of love. Mm. And anything you do from a basket of love is going to be great. Yep. And I don't mean great like you're going to do something and people give you money. Please don't associate this with work and career. Right. This Everybody, is not the manifestation. No, this is not. So. I'm not doing the secret here. I'm yep. talking about... If you work from love and your intention is love, the consequence or consequence just basically means the reaction that's mm -hmm. going to happen is going to be good. So I'm saying that because it's really what you're saying about the eight-year-old child is living in the basket of fear, yeah. right? And it belongs and, it, and, it, and it's, you know, it's part of you and you got to love it, but you don't want to act like an eight-year-old boy. Yeah, th that's acting from fear. Right. No. And you're, and the eight-year-old boy can also be in the basket of love. How's that possible? Well, yes. I remember when I was, as much as I love my life, I, which I do, I had so much fun playing football in my front yard. Like, honestly, that was like the best part of after school on Sunday mornings before the Bears games. Like that eight-year-old boy is also teaches you how to enjoy life right now. So it's not like the eight-year-old boy is bought bad for me. No. There's parts of the eight-year-old boy that belongs into the fear cat bucket. And there's parts of the eight-year-old boy that belongs into the love bucket. Because remember what I just said about two parts of the personality. The eight-year-old also had two parts of the personality. They had the more fear-driven yeah. and then they had the more love-driven. So even your eight-year-old self, it's not all eight-year-old goals in the basket. It's the eight-year-old self that was living from ego, fear, mm -hmm. you know, feeling unworthiness, that side. And, and when you say, but how do I know the difference? Because the fear hurts. I know, I wake up sometimes and I feel afraid. Like I had a tough dream last night. And sometimes I'm thankful for my dreams because I feel like I'm working through things yeah. through without having to do it in the daytime. So I'm kind of like, okay, good. But it kind of, it hurts and it makes me afraid and I'm, I'm in fear. And part of me wants to do things that, to like eliminate it. Like yep. I'm going to pretend. And instead, I, I know that that's not a good outcome. Yep. I know that the outcome and, and for those of you who are like, well, what does that mean? Some people get up and they're like, well, I'm not going to go to yoga. I'm just going to drink coffee and then I'm going to have a glass of wine at five. And then, you know, for the people who, you know, don't make great choices where they're just numbing that mm -hmm. feeling versus um, I'm going to do my journal, even though I'm a little afraid right yeah. now of what I'm going to write or what it means or... I'm going to still go to yoga. I'm going to get up. I'm going to... So that's love for me. And sometimes that's harder. It's a little like trudging through the mud a little bit. Like I'm going to move through this. Harder in the short term. Yes. And that's the thing is moving through. A lot of people want to go around. They want to go over. But sometimes you got to go through. I would say most of the time. I would say most of the or time. Or maybe all, all the, the time. time. Except the only thing you don't have to go through is like when we've talked about the whole. Mm -hmm. There are some experiences yeah, and wisdom. some people. The wisdom right. shows up. Right. So a few things uh, as far as this discussion. Um, how do you know if you're pulling from the fear bucket? Or do you call it a bucket or a basket? Either basket, bucket. Um, or the love. You 
first thing I thought of is you have to breathe. You have to take a conscious breath before, because we all make decisions, whether it's we're walking down the road or responding to our spouse about something or our mom about something or our boss about something. Our children. Our children. Where is this response going to come from? Is it going to come from the fear or the love? And the only way to do that is to breathe. Yes. And it's a, as we've said a million times, it's a muscle you have to work out. You can't just decide, oh, in these critical moments, I'm going to breathe. And you, you have to do it in the non-critical moments too, which is what meditation, whatever it is. You know what I mean? I absolutely do. Like it's not just for, um, well, let me say this. Okay. A Course in Miracles tells us um, that there really are only two choices ever, love or fear. Yeah. And that's why I like the baskets analogy. Because a lot of times we say, but there's so many choices. Yeah. Really, there's a million different feelings, right? Yeah. But they can really all be put in one of the baskets, love or fear, right? Yeah. And a lot of times when we're talking about our partnership or about parenting, and this goes back to, we did a Zen talk a few days ago, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. Um Sometimes parents will say, well, I'm going to be really loving in these moments. But, you know, in these moments, I'm going to use fear because mm -hmm. I really think that's the best way to go. Like, yeah. I'll love over here, but I'm going to go straight up fear here because that's what works. Yep. It doesn't. I know it feels like it does. And, and there's going to be parents. There, I'm going to need emails about this because they're going to say, but what about this? It works short term and it doesn't work long term. Right. <clears throat> and sometimes love can loving someone powerfully can create the exact same experience you're trying to create with the fear yeah. you're trying to give. And so why I'm saying that is because sometimes I think, especially people who listen to the show who understand the self-awareness part and they understand and they're like, yeah, I understand, Kathy, you know, I'm supporting my kid here, but sometimes you just got to make them be afraid of you. I don't agree. I, I don't, you know, Todd and I had this discussion, yeah. like he, I'll share this because we shared this on the Zen talk already. Um, I was telling the girls to go to bed about a week ago and, and I was, and they came in and, and it was late and it was late. And I said, okay, girls to your beds. And one of my girls goes, Roger that. And like kind of saluted me and left. And I didn't think a thing of it. It was more like Roger that. Yes, totally. But see, but that's was, our humor. Yeah, that's right. Like, it's not like she's being disrespectful. Right. It that's, was, it wasn't sassy, but it no. was, it was funny. It was funny. And I'm like, don't you just wish that we would say time to go to bed and they don't say anything and they just go to bed. But instead, they don't go right to bed. They sometimes take a while to go to bed. And I guess when you said that to me, I know I knew exactly what you meant, yeah. meaning I wasn't like, what do you mean? I'm, mm. you know, I get it. You're trying to say, don't you wish we had the power to say go to bed and they would do exactly what we robots. said so we could be in control. Don't we want robots? Uh, there are days we want robots. We yeah. all do. I, I, there are things sitting on our stairs from two weeks ago <laughs> that nobody will carry upstairs and I want them so to be robots. because they never pass them. Oh my God. Like I can't tell you how many times these things are on the stairs. And so in, there are moments that I just want you to be afraid of me and to do it, but I'm saying that, but I really don't. Well, I don't your want, ego wants, wants that. My control needs, my ego. feeling of I'm more powerful than you. You must view me as an authority. I am their parent. I, my role in their life is to parent them. I have no desire to be in charge of them, to be in control of them. Right. That to me you're feels in more- You're in charge, but you're not in control. I'm in charge of running the house. Like yeah. there's kind of, you know, as John Bon Jovi said on his masterclass, someone's gotta be the quarterback. <laughs> I always laughed at that quote. I was like, okay, John, even though he's 
telling the truth, someone does have to be right. Like, it's just you know we don't have to go down the John yeah. Bovi, John Bon Jovi train right he now. He just really I I like Bon Jovi. Been to plenty of Bon Jovi shows, but he really likes Bon Jovi. He does. <laughs> he likes himself. and he does a lot of wonderful things he for does. his community he and does. the world. He's got that homeless restaurant. He sure does. And so I, it's kind of we're being smart, Alex, right now because yes. we know he's a good guy. But he does he does say things like yeah, he's very uh, sure of himself. Sure of himself. So someone's got to be the quarterback. And so I understand that my role in the family, or we are co quarterbacks. Yeah. You and I. So I get it. It's not about them walking all over me, which is what parents get afraid of. That's not happening. Yeah. But no, I don't want my kids to be afraid of me because you know what I have experienced in the last like three or four years with teenagers? There is nothing off limits as far as discussion. Mm-hmm. Nobody's really afraid to tell me anything, yeah. which has its pros and cons, cons right. but much many more pros. The cons... If you, if, you're, if, if, if you want your kids to be afraid of you... And it's going to work in the short term, but it's at the expense of connection. Correct. It, the expense of connection and the expense of their well-being. Yeah. Because when I say to you, it has its cons, the only cons are when they tell me something that I realize is challenging or difficult or they're asking for help, it brings up ang- fear or worry in me because now I have information I didn't have. Yeah. Where when I was growing up, I just kept everything to myself. Yeah. So my parents could kind of go on their way and be like, Kathy's fine. And I had to kind of deal with it in my own body, which I'm now dealing with as a 40 year And I'm not blaming my parents. I'm not saying they did it. I'm saying I just didn't speak up about anything. My children feel very welcome to speak up about everything. And I think in the long run, that is so much better because we're doing this as a team. One of the things I say to them all the time is you were not meant to do this life alone. You were not meant to hold this pain alone. You were not meant to believe this without questioning it. You are not, this is a team effort. Not just me, you, everybody, community. I I was just, um, I had a, uh, I was coaching a guy this morning and he had something coming up about his work and I was giving him my two cents and I said, seek out support from your wife and your, his dad is going to help him. It's we, and especially as guys, maybe it's for women, but we tend to get in our head and we think we can problem solve our, our way out of everything without seeking out support, uh, in our community. And I'm like, Hey, Find out who's who's in your cabinet. Who who are your advisors? That's right. Um, and you know the the quote, the Einstein quote: "The same mind that created a problem cannot create the solution right. because it's stuck in the problem." Right. So you have to you have to get outside of yourself. And again, teachers can be your partner. They can be your children. They can be your friends. They can be your parents. They can be a book. They can be a podcast. Sometimes I get inspiration from a lyric in a song mm-hmm. where I'll go, "That's it." That's the word I needed. That's the understanding. Miracles are a change in perception. That's all we need. Because when we're stuck in the problem, we can't see out of it. Right. So all we need is a change in perception. And you have to go to your cabinet to enlighten yourself. Right. Enlightenment, yes, it comes from within, but it also comes from support. It's both. Yeah. So uh, two promotional things. One is you talked about Team Zen. I want to describe what Team Zen is. It's a subscription. We want you... Uh, if you're listening to this, you want, we want you to be on the team. We got about 90 or so people that are on the team, about 20 get on for every Zen talk, which is a live virtual back and forth between Kathy and I and all of you listeners. Um, and then that live talk becomes a podcast cast that we you can send listen to, to later. Yeah. So if you can't get on, then the other 70 or so can listen afterwards. We do two a month. Our next one is actually going to be in the evening because of some scheduling. Is that things. this Wednesday? No, it's a week from Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. Um, so we have all the archives and talks, uh, we have a, a Facebook page. So we're talking about community 
and you're in a place where you don't feel like you fit into a lot of the parenting philosophies in your community, this is a virtual community of people that are together and think long-term and things like that. Yeah, like it was kind of, I mean, there's some big, deep questions on the Teams on Facebook page that we all support each other and answer, but simple things, like one of the women is thinking about moving to Boulder, Colorado, and she's like, does anyone here live in Boulder? And a lot of people live in Colorado, so they're like giving her information. Like, it's just community for community's sake. It doesn't always have to be around parenting. So last last Friday, Kathy and I had a Zen talk, and we went back and forth with four different team members, and they had four questions. The first one was about a one and a half year old who is overly affectionate towards strangers. Remember that one, yes, sweetie? Yes, I do. The second one was a 13 year old daughter who displaces frustrations on the family. Correct. Sounds like the definition of 13. Yeah. Um, there's a dad who was on there who wanted more resource uh, to use because his daughter, he thinks, is addicted to technology. Yes. And then lastly, which was an interesting one, uh, there's a mom who has an 18-year-old daughter who wants a tattoo. Yes, that was so a good discussion. we kind of discussed those four things. So if you're interested, go to our webpage, zenparentingradio.com. And click on Team Zen, and we'd love to have you. And then I also coach guys, so if there's any guys out there, uh, go to toddadamscoaching.com. So to close the show, we have just about 10 minutes left. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I just wanted to say one more thing. Sure, close it And it might take two minutes. Sure. When we talk about parenting being something that grows us up or a mirror or that parenting wakes us up to who we are or maybe even just being in relationship and partnership with someone, deep... uh, basically love, mm-hmm. you know, when we when we're opened up. What that means is that sometimes these experiences that we have with people when we when we when we're with them and then we feel a pain or let me be more specific. I'm talking about parenting and sometimes I've when my daughters have shared something with me or they're struggling with something and it brings pain to me. It's not them that is bringing it's my own fear or my they represent history something inside in me. of you. And that's when we really get to dig deep and heal. This is why parenting is a spiritual journey because like I, because one of my daughters was struggling with some things and and still is, you know, dealing with her own, as she should, life. Like this is, like our kids don't like sail through life with no issues. Like they're dealing with things. And I have realized that at her same age, I was dealing with very similar things. And she's going about it much healthier than I did. Yeah. Asking Yet for she's help. still having the struggles. Exactly. She's, but she's doing the things I just didn't do, yeah. which was ask for help, use tools, all these things. But my child in me, who was the same age as she is when having these issues, is really calling out for like that kind of love now. Yep. And I have to look at myself and be like, wow, that's a part of myself that I'll never get rid of. It it was all real and it all happened, but that part of me needs some nurturance. And so like to Todd's point about having a picture of yourself, in my meditation area, I have pictures of their representations because they're drawings, but of an adult me with my arm around my like, mm. you know, younger self. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, I just think of... That's what I do in my visualization all the time. I is think my, of, like, heaven, like, after you die, yes. you can, like, greet your younger self. Yes. You don't have to wait. I know. That's what I knew you were about to say. That. I mean, I do it every morning. I talk to her every morning. I, I put my arm around her and say, you don't have to do this alone anymore. You know I'm here now. Yeah. You know that those things weren't even real. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. A lot of things our girls and our kids, our boys... We're going through things that aren't even real. I was listening to... Most of it isn't real. Most of it isn't real. I was listening to uh, uh, Dear Sugar, which is going away, by the way. They Mm -hmm. only have a few podcasts left. Um, But they had... I know. 
It's a bummer. But they had Shirley Manson from Garbage on, um, who I love, and I love Garbage, and she was talking about how she looks at herself from her 20s when she was like as big as could be on the cover of like Rolling Stone or whatever. And she remembers like crying in the bathroom before those photo shoots because she thought she was too ugly or whatever. Mm. And she she's now 50 and she looks at herself and she's like, you were gorgeous. Mm. You were not just gorgeous, like your hair was gorgeous. You were a gorgeous person. Yeah, you're light. And, and everything you were telling yourself wasn't true. Mm. So it was all a lie. And that's what's happening with a lot of our kids is they're telling themselves lies. We're telling ourselves lies. Yep. That young self in... I'm still telling myself lies based on that young part of me. And I have to nurture her as a 47, almost 47. Mm. My birthday's in a few weeks. 47-year-old woman and say, this was never true, but the feelings in my body are still young. Well, to go back to Eckhart, yeah. I am telling myself lies. Yes. So that's the separation. There's the yes. I and the myself. Yes. And the I, for, for this example, would be the ego. The ego. Is telling myself, and who's the myself? The knowing. The knowing. The love. Yes. It's funny, I'm going to talk about the love in a second when I play that clip from Richard Rohr. The body, the cells, I'm telling the all spirit, of what I am lies. Yeah. And but it hurts and it and it goes in the fear bucket and it's not as if it isn't real and it's very human. Yeah. We're never going to get rid of it, you guys. Yeah. Like if you're like someday I'm going to be fearless. Bullshit. Forget it. You're never going to be fearless. Yeah. What you're going to do is you're going to figure out how to love these parts. I don't want to escape my darkness. I'm looking to love myself there. Yeah. That's the that's the key. Okay. Um, so real quick before I play this clip from Richard Rohr and Oprah, um, you said Chenandler Bong. Who is Chenandler Bong, sweetie? Miss Chenandler Bong. Well, yeah. it's Chandler Bing from um, Friends. Friends. Yes. And then what was that? A certain episode? What was going on there? Um, that was when that was about the apartment when they were having Ross created a game for them to. Um, figure out who could have the apartment or get rid of the chick and the duck. Right. Because that was the fight. Oh, Chandler gets it. It's Chandler Bing. No. I'm afraid the TV guide comes to Chenandler Bong. I knew that. Rachel, use your head. Actually, it's Miss Chenandler Bong. There we go. There's Chandler. Chandler. Um, and then I want to talk about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's our uh, partner, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. All right, so um, I was hoping to divide the subject matter of this podcast in half, um, half about Toby from This Is Us and half about Richard Rohr, but as Kathy and I tend to do, we go, we get on a roll, let's say. So I just want to play about 45 seconds uh, of this interview between Oprah and Richard, and it's self-explanatory. So here we go. Suspected, desired, hoped for, that's the soul. Yeah, because don't we come in knowing? Isn't it Immortal Diamond where you tell the story of the little boy? Can you tell us that story? Yeah, yeah that this family had a little boy who was about three or four. They come home with another little baby boy. Yeah. And the three or four-year-old said, I want to talk to my little brother. And they said, oh, go ahead, you can. And he said, I want to talk to him alone, which surprised them. And so they shut the door and they cupped their ears to the door to listen. And this is apparently what the little boy said. Quick, quick, tell me who made you. Tell me where you came from. I'm beginning to forget. And, you know, 
could this be true that we know at the beginning mm -hmm. and we get caught up in all the complexities, personas, struggles of life, and we forget it, but our heart of hearts knows. 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 I love that quote. We listened to that in the car on the way home from Batavia, and I just felt like somebody like punched me in the gut in the best way. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of took my breath away. One is because when our child children are born, I think they're the closest to God-like mm -hmm. when they show up. Mm -hmm. And then we methodically and systematically, slowly, they just we, slowly... We give them information. We give them information <laughs> that they don't need. And you actually, when we were talking to the girls yesterday, like even when they were in your belly, like we didn't tell when the nose needed to show up or mm -hmm. when it, for it to start growing arms. It just happened. And I don't know, there's just some poetry in that story because... The fact that, and I don't know if that story is true or not. I've heard it several different places, but who cares? It doesn't matter. The idea is that a four-year-old boy might see what he's about to slip into mm -hmm. and ask an infant brother. I, there's just me. some beautiful, it's just beautiful. Well, and that I think because it's a boy talking to another boy, yeah. you're like, you know, this is how we really are. This is what we really know. Well, and it's like, you know... This is a parenting podcast. Actually, it's not, by the way. This is a self-awareness podcast, but we call it Zen Parenting. Um, but we try to guide our kids and teach and discipline lovingly and blah, 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 when we just got to sit back and allow. Oh, my gosh. Skylar has been so good lately in telling me to stop talking. And all she has to do is we've, we have a new um, thing uh, where she just holds up an L with mm -hmm. her finger, which means listen, listen, because she'll say something that I, of course, in my teacher mode, want to either, I'm putting this in quotes, correct, yep. or give her a different perspective. It's just the way I'm hardwired. I'm like, that's not the way I see things, blah, blah, blah. And she has so she has been so good about holding up the L and then I'll go, yep. That's it. That's a wonderful tool. I know. I didn't know that she used that. Mm -hmm. And she'll put and she'll be and she'll say, I'm not calling you a loser. Right. I'm just saying just, just be listen. Be quiet and yes. let me talk. I over talk. You know, for those of you who feel like you over talk and you're like, oh, I'm sure Kathy never over talks. Are you freaking kidding me? I talk incessantly. I and I am I'm aware of it. And I've told Todd. And the girls let me know because I really sometimes don't. You I did just that yesterday. You did that yesterday. You're doing yoga on the back deck, I think. Yes. Or maybe it was Saturday. Yes. And I think I said is I think something like, "What time are we going to dinner tonight?" And I just went off. And you talked for like 11 minutes, or maybe it was. He three. was still holding the door, like he just meant yeah. to be there. And I said, "I am so." And when I'm apologizing, I'm not apologizing for apologizing for myself. I'm not saying I'm wrong. I'm saying. I, this is just what comes oh, out I of I said, me. what are you listening to? Yes. I was listening to Dax and Kristen. Right. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and I just want to know what you're listening to. And, you know, and that's the, that's the dance. That is. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't, I'm not being disregarding. No. I love what I talk about. I think it's super sure. interesting. But when I'm <laughs> with people... I have to take cues yeah. and give them permission to give me cues yeah. to maybe not talk. Well, plus me, who is not much of a talker, right. if you did more allowing and listening, there might be a lot of blank space there. Todd and I never have blank space. And and we do when we choose it. Like sometimes we can sit quietly and read or whatever, but that's, you know, people who go to dinner and don't talk. It's not Kathy and Todd. <laughs> or maybe it's not Kathy. Um, what are you playing? Like space. Doesn't fit. Let's be friends. I'm dying to 
Nothing to do with what we're talking about. Different kind of blank. But space. the name of this song is blank. It space. is. It is. T Swizz. I love Taylor Swift. I know. Oh. I, she's good. She's, she writes good songs, and I I can't wait for somebody to make fun of me for it because I don't care. You know what? It's speaking of Dax Shepard. Everybody, another podcast you guys may like is his. Uh, Dax Shepard has a. He's an actor. He was on Parenthood. You guys may know him, um, but he's also married to Kristen Bell. Um, he has a podcast called Armchair Expert. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like it. Some of them are really good. Some of them I, I I don't connect with, but just like everything else. Well, one of his podcasts was with Mae Whitman, who is an actress who's been around forever. She was on Friends. She was also on Parenthood. She was also in Perks of Being a Wallflower. She's been she's a fave of mine. Oh, and in Arrested Development. Yeah. She's Anne. Egg. Egg. Um, she, we just, I, we love her. And so they're really good friends because they were on Parenthood together. And they're, she's kind of like a alternative in the way she dresses, the way she sings, the way she acts. She talks about being a little more emo when she was a teenager. And she, and her musical taste is really kind of left of center. And, but she talks about how Taylor Swift is the best. Right. She's like, and Dex says to her, you shocked me when you told me you like Taylor Swift because she's so middle mm-hmm. and here you are. And she's like, you can't deny the songwriting of this woman and yep. the, her, her continued success. Yeah. Think about She reinvents herself and... But not in such a, I love Madonna, I hate to diss, but Madonna was so like heavy handed yeah. in the reinvention. Yeah. Taylor's a little more subtle. subtle. Yeah. And so again, you don't have to like her music. That's we're not pushing her, but sometimes when people are like she's just when they have when they've never even when they don't know her story or they don't listen to her music but they decide they hate her. Yeah. I'm kind of like why don't you read a little? Well, it's probably cuz they get sick of hearing about right. her like it's she's just everywhere. saturation yeah. whatever. All right. Uh, I'm officially late for picking up my daughter at Driver's Ed. Driver's Ed, baby. So sorry, uh, JC, if you're listening to this as an adult, (laughs) that I'm going to be late. Um, uh, We're going to announce our speakers to the conference next month. We want you to join Team Zen. Uh, Please check it out. Um, And if you join Team Zen right now, then when the tickets when uh, tickets go on sale for the conference, you get a big discount. Yep. So just join for a couple months. Get the discount. Um, I'm having a, a retreat in March, a men's retreat. So if there's any guys out there that want to hear more about that, um, just shoot me an email, Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. When are you having a retreat? In March, March 17th through blah, blah, blah. So after the conference. It's two weeks after the conference. Okay. It's going to be off the hook. Um, and that's it. So anything else, my darling? You know what? I do, but we don't have time for it. This, oh. this was a great, um, I enjoyed what we discussed today. So did I. I'm, I feel good. like I have more. Thanks to Toby from, from, uh, this is us. Yeah. He's good character. And fricking Richard Rohr. Yes. And Gary Zukov. Gary Zukov. Definition of a, um, Gary Zukov's definition of of a partnership, spiritual partnership is a partnership between equal equals for the purpose of spiritual growth. That's why we're here, baby. Off the hook. All right, bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live if you can't join us live you can still access all zen talks through the team zen podcast app you'll have access to all previous zen talks 
connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page. We have a book club and get discounts on everything that we have to offer. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support, and keep on trucking.